Well, good morning again. And again, happy Mother's Day. It's a beautiful day. You're welcome. <laughs> yes, okay, we'll go there. So, how many of y'all ever seen the movie Hook? Wherever, okay, you've seen the movie Hook. Well, you know, it's interesting as I was looking and preparing for today, I got to looking at the, the movie and the story of the Hook. And the Hook is basically the story about a grown-up Peter Pan. He's kind of grown up. He's kind of grumpy. He's kind of like us. You know, he's living his real life. And, and unfortunately, during this time, <clears throat> we find that Peter Pan's kids have been taken by his arch nemesis, Captain Hook. And, and so Peter Pan's like going through this whole movie just trying to get his kids back. And he finally gets his kids back. And he's got Captain Hook in his sights. He is ready to take him down. He's ready to finish him off. He says, I can finally do this. And his daughter Maggie stops him. And when his daughter Maggie stops him, I think it's interesting what she says. She tells Peter that the captain is just a mean old man without a mommy. He's just, captain Hook is just a mean old man without a mommy. And I think that, you know, that Maggie's words kind of go throughout the whole Peter Pan, all the different stories in life. But how about in real life? You know, honestly, people can look and say, well, you know, they're just mad because they don't have a mommy. It's amazing what a mother's love can do and how a mother's love can bring stableness to craziness. And as we take this time today and we, we look at the moms in the house, I want to look a little different because as we celebrate Mother's Day and we appreciate celebrating Mother's Day, for some people, Mother's Day is a difficult time. It's a difficult day. You know, there may be mothers in waiting. There may be mothers um, or women who have experienced infertility and they can't have children. There may be moms or women out here who are still waiting for God to bring the right man into their life so they can start a family. And then there are some of us who have lost our mothers. Well, we've lost children way too soon in life. And so Mother's Day isn't a day that you look forward to because there's sadness and heartbreak that comes with it. So but that's we're here today to celebrate not only the moms, but the ladies in the house. You see, as we go through this, you know, some of you may be wondering, am I really even a good mother? Am I doing this right? Am I doing what I should be doing, or am I failing as a mother? Because if you look at society today, in society's ever-changing expectations of the ideal motherhood, what it looks like can be exhausting. What society says a mom should look like, and especially to be a woman who might uh, feel that you're fighting your own uphill battle, because we all fight our own uphill battle. And when you look at what society calls a mother, it's constantly changing. It's constantly changing what a real mother is. And one of the things I think we as a church can actually learn from this and that we need to understand is motherhood is not, a, is not, a, is not meant to be walked alone. 
It's not meant for a mother to walk this alone. You know, and we as a church have a privilege and a responsibility to come alongside mothers and women and to be there for them and women who long to be mothers. We need to be there to encourage them, to lift them up, to be by their side and offer any physical help that we can help them. That's what we as a church are called to do. And I think sometimes we as a church or the global church, the body of Christ, fails at this. And today we're going to be looking at two different women in the Bible who, just so you know, didn't have their lives together. They weren't perfect by any means, but they loved the Lord. They, they loved God and they chased after him. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ruth chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. Uh, as usual, the scripture will also be up on the screen. And then we're also going to be in 1 Samuel. But I'm going to start out just by reading Ruth. And I'm going to be in verses 1 through 14. So let's dig in. It says, During the time of the judges, there was a famine in the land. A man left Bethlehem and Judah with his wife and two sons, to stay in the territory of Moab for a while. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. The names of the two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They entered the fields of Moab and settled there. Naomi's husband Elimelech died, and she was left with her two sons. Her sons took Moabite women as their wives, one was named Orpah, and the second was named Ruth. After they lived in Moab about ten years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two children and without her husband. She and her daughters-in-law set to return to the ter from the territory of Moab because she heard in Moab that the Lord had paid special attention to his people's need by providing them food. She left the place where she had been living, accompanied by her two daughters-in-laws, and traveled along the road, leading back to the land of Judah. Naomi said to them, Each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. She kissed them and wept loudly. They said to her, we insist on returning with you to your people. But Naomi replied, return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to have any more sons or could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go on, for I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Would you restrain yourselves from remarrying? No, my daughters, my life is much too bitter for you to share because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Again they wept loudly, and Or Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Heavenly Father, as we read your word today and as we take this time to celebrate the ladies, Lord, I ask that you open up our eyes that we may see what it is you want us to see. Open our ears that we may hear your voice. And Lord, may my words be your words and may your name be glorified. We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the weeks leading up to this 
second Sunday in May, we, we go inside a store or any place you go and you're bombarded. You got all this Mother's Day cards. You got all these flowers, all these sappy sayings and cards all leading up to, it's Mother's Day, we got to celebrate the moms. And, and as, as you look at this and you go inside and it gets so commercialized, you start to wonder, what is it really about? And then you look, and in many churches, and I'm guilty of it last year myself, in many churches today, they're going to be teaching on that Proverbs 31 woman. You know that perfect woman in Proverbs 31 that you feel like, man, that's not me? You know, she, she was perfect. She, kept, she stayed up late. She got up early. She managed her entire house. She worked a job. She did everything perfect. But that's not real life, is it? That, that's not how our life is. And, and many women look at this ideal and just feel this disconnect because there's no way I can be that woman. She's perfect. I'm not. And, and as many people will be preaching on it today throughout the world, I've been told I'm real. So I'm going to be real with you today. We're going to get real because a Proverbs 31 woman, although most people wait, may wear that mask when they come into church, is not real life. It's not real life at all because, you know, man, many of us real, live this real life. And, and for many of the ladies, it's a disconnected life from what you think God's calling you to do. And because of the misfortunes in life, you know, sometimes we ask these questions. How does God see see me if I'm not perfect and if I don't have everything figured out? Or, or, or what's God's heart towards a woman who's not that Proverbs 31 wife? Well, what's his, what's his, well, how does he look at me when I mess up? How does he look at me when, when I don't live up to the standards that society calls me to live to? Or even more, how does God look at me if I'm grieving and praying for my kids who don't know him. How does he see me as a woman? How does he see me in his life? Because in Proverbs 31, it talks about this perfect woman, and I'm not that person. And that's real life. And we start to ask these questions, why? And, and I just want to let you know, the way God sees you, is he sees you as his daughters. He sees you as his daughters. He sees you as someone he loves. He loves so much that he's willing to give up his life for you. It wasn't about being perfect. It wasn't about anything else. He loves you just as you are. You know, even as you look through Scripture, you see some moms in Scripture that were exalted. Mary, the mother of Jesus, exalted for who she was. Timothy's mother and grandmother were both exalted for the upbringing of Timothy. But you know what you also see in Scripture? You see women who struggled. You see women who didn't have it all together. You look at people like, like Sarah. Sarah waited till way, way in her golden years to have a child. She didn't have it all together. Elizabeth, 
didn't have it all together. And I think a lot of times, as, you know, even as a man, I, I look to the guys who are kind of messed up in the Bible so that that way I can kind of feel normal. And, and I imagine from a woman's perspective, it's kind of the same way. Hey, I can't be this Proverbs 31 woman, but man, you know, I, I, can, I can understand Elizabeth. I can understand Sarah because I got them struggles in my life. As you go through, you see woman just dealing with life in general, dealing with treaties that are going to kill their kids, dealing with famine, dealing with all these different life situations. And I think God really shows us all that in the Bible to let us know it's okay not to be perfect. It's okay not to be a Proverbs 31 woman. It's okay if you're a little messed up. It's okay if you're a little jacked up and your life isn't going the way you expect it to go because he still loves you as his daughter. He still loves you for who you are. And if you don't get anything else out of this today, know that God loves you. Know that God loves you just the way you are. You're not going to be perfect. None of us will ever be perfect. As much as I loved my mom and I thought my mom was perfect, I could tell you days when my mom wasn't perfect. She wasn't always a Proverbs 31 mother. She, she knew Jesus fashioned a whip, because I got it quite often. She knew Jesus turned over tables because she'd make me move them to clean the floor. All throughout the Bible, we see different types of people. Different types of women. And even I think here when we look at the book of Ruth, and as we look at Ruth, we find this not only a family but a nation in crisis. And they turn around and, and hear this famine's affecting not only the family, but it's affecting Israel as a total. And we got Naomi and her husband and her sons leaving out of Israel to go find food. Now understand, with Naomi leaving with her family, we don't know much about her prior to this. So we don't know what was going on, but I'm sure that she had friendships. I'm sure that she had, you know, she just wasn't leaving with her family. She was leaving her hometown. She was basically uprooting from where she'd been. And she must have been there for a while because her sons were older. So they were moving out. So you know she had relationships and friendships that she was also leaving. So it had to be hard on her. And then we find out that they get to Moab. And the next 10 years in Moab changed her life. Changed her life. In a matter of 10 years, she lost her husband and her two sons. And now she's sitting here with her two daughters-in-laws. And she hears that, hey, the Lord's been good. Let's go back home. But think of this life that Naomi had. Think of having to leave everything she knew to go. And I'm sure through this whole time, she was there for her family. I'm sure she provided for her family. I'm sure she looked out for her family. And we don't know everything about it. But in 14 verses, her life went from Great to really bad. And, and just 
six verses into chapter 2, you actually find out that Naomi and Ruth are actually in another man's field trying to get food. That's going bad to worse, really. You know, they went from okay to bad to worse to this is serious. But one thing I think we know is that her faith never wavered. She continued to move forward in everything that she does. And even though it's, it's now bad, she's still there. She's still walking the path. She hasn't given up. And then I want to look at Hannah. And we're going to get back to Naomi and Ruth in a minute. But I want to look at Hannah. If you think of Hannah, if you know the story, it's going to be in 1 Samuel. Hannah was a woman who was daily reminded that she failed in life. She failed. She didn't live up to society's standard. Think about during them times, a woman was supposed to get married, have kids, and especially have sons. And she couldn't have any. So she was reminded daily, not only in her own life, society telling her, you're not a good mom. You're not a good wife. You're not doing what you should be doing. She lived with this persecution on a daily basis. Family dynamics, instead of finding compassion, she was mocked. Instead of finding support from a husband, she was found guilty for not being able to, well, it's okay. Just maintain, it's all right. And unfortunately, men were guilty of that. Well, we know you're not doing it, but it's okay. Aren't I enough for you? And as she was going through this life, this is what her life was. So it definitely wasn't this perfect Proverbs 31 life, correct? She, she had problems in her own life. Even when she went to the house of the Lord, she didn't find understanding in the house. Instead, she was told she had sin. Oh, you're a sinner. You're this, you're that. It was anything but care and compassion for who she was. And many churches today still do the same thing. Still do the same thing. So in 1 Samuel, verses one, uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 8, say this. It says, There was a man in Ramathana Zophin, in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Jeraham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, the first named Hannah, and the second Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah was childless. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice the Lord of the armies at Shiloh with Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, uh, were, were the Lord's priest. Wherever Elkanah, whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her, even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her, because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. 
Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying, her husband Elkanah would say. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? As a wife, how would you like to hear that from your husband? I know, as a husband, I... I could never say that. But, but I think it's, it, as we look at this, I think God shares these stories. So he gives us these examples of mistakes to avoid or disasters to avoid in our own life or that we can, that we can prepare for things and continue to move forward. You know, and I think rather than to, to show that he cares about um, I think he used them to show that he cares about mothers, that he sh- cares about women. Because in all of these stories, God shows up. No matter how messed up the story seems, God's always in the picture. And I think a lot of times in our life when things get messed up, we forget about God. We, we forget that he's there or we start asking those questions, why God, why me? And we forget that his picture is so much bigger than ours. He sees the whole story. We see a little piece. But, but we're able to, by digging into his word, get a glimpse into his heart. And, and a glimpse into how much he actually loves us. And, and I think as he uses these to show that he not only cares for mothers, no matter how frantic you may be, no matter how frazzled you may be, no matter how bad you think you've messed up being a mom, there's people in the Bible who did it worse. And I think they're there to let us know that we're okay. We're going to be okay. We're going to continue to move forward. We're going to continue on this path. And we're going to be okay. Life may be a struggle, but we're going to be okay. It's going to be all right in the end. And I think as he shows his care, he invites us to rest with him, to come alongside of him during these challenges and these struggles. And I think it also, as others, it should prompt us to be there for those people who are struggling. Be there for the mom who might be having a bad day. Be there for the lady who may not be able to have kids. Be there for the person who is struggling because of the loss of a mother or a child. Be there for them. Take that time out of your own life and be there for them. And show them the love that God has shown you. And and I think sometimes we fail that because we just kind of go through the motions of it all. And then some people will look at these stories and want to talk about people's faith. There are people who look at the story of Naomi and Ruth and say, well, she didn't have faith in God because they left Israel. They left searching for food. They didn't have enough faith to wait on God. Well, I think she had a pretty strong faith to be able to leave. And if she didn't have a strong faith, we would never see later in the book of Ruth the strong omission and the the strong bold confession that Ruth actually makes. 
And I think the only way that Ruth can make the confession that she makes is because she saw the faith in Naomi. Through everything that was going on, all the struggles, all the loss, everything else, she had to see the faith. And it says this in verses 16 and 17. But Ruth replied, Don't plead with me to abandon you or return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me, and so do severely, if anything but death separates you and me. If Naomi didn't have a strong faith, if she never showed that faith, do you think Ruth would ever say that? There is no way in the world Ruth would say, I want your God to be my God if she didn't know Naomi's God. She had to know Naomi's God because Naomi had to have that faith. She had to have talked about who God was. She had to do it all. Everything going on, I've lost my husband, I've lost my sons, but God, I'm going to serve you. Somewhere in there, she had to hear that to say, your God will be my God. Naomi had a faith that we don't always see. Naomi had a faith that we don't see in the story. But you can know that that faith was there because of the response of Ruth. There is no way in the world Ruth would have made that statement if Naomi wasn't faithful in what she did. Think about Hannah. Hannah was deemed as a failure. She failed. She had no kids. She didn't have any sons. She, everything she was doing was wrong. In her culture, they would have been telling her, you got some type of sin in your life. That's why God hasn't let you conceive. Imagine living your life, not being able to conceive, and someone telling you, well, you've got sin in your life. You've got to repent. Is that really what you want to hear? But unfortunately, that's the way the culture was. Even in today's society, they will actually, if you can't conceive, will label you with something. Because that's the way society works. And here we have Hannah, who is going through all of this, and instead of allowing it to draw her away from God, it drew her closer to God. She used this time, every time she went to the temple, every time she was mocked, she used that time to grow closer to God. And you see her faith because she even says, when you give me a child, I will give him to you. When she finally conceived Samuel, at three years old, she gave Samuel to the Lord. Now, do you think at three years old that Samuel didn't see the faith of his mother? She had to have a faith. She had to have a strong faith, knowing that, hey, I promise the Lord, if you give me a child, I'm going to give him back to you. She was obedient to what she called him to do, and Samuel was obedient to what God called him to do, and it started because of the faith of his mother. People are here today and know Jesus Christ because of the faith of their mother, or the faith of a grandmother, or the faith in most times because of a woman in their life. Because, hey, men were hard-headed. Yep, that, see? Mo, most men will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of either their mom, their grandmother, 
or a girlfriend or a wife. Because men don't do it on their own. Church? <laughs> yeah, okay. They're going to come to faith because of a woman in their life. I think it's... A, huh? Or they're praying. Exactly. Hannah brought Samuel at three years old to work in the Lord's house. And in 1 Samuel 1, 28, it says this. I prayed for this boy... And since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he worshiped the Lord there. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Husbands. Now I'm talking to you. <laughs> all the non-husbands are like alright he ain't talking to me now <laughs> I just want to let you know if you're a married man I want you to look for areas where your wife may be struggling to find balance in her life and be there for her be there to support her in those times to bring balance offer to take the kids out so that she can take time to care for herself go get a mani or a petty or whatever she wants to do Men, be the man you're called to be. Take care of your kids and let the wives have time for themselves. Encourage your wives to pursue endeavors that will bring them joy, to do other things in life. Most importantly, make sure you pray for your wife. Pray for your wife that, God, that she will see herself the way that God sees her, that she is precious and that she is loved. And make sure you show her that same thing. Show her the love that Jesus, the same way Jesus loved the church. For the youth in the house, show your mother the love and the obedience that Jesus showed Mary and to Joseph. You think about this, Jesus was more superior, he knew everything. Although most youth think they know everything. Jesus did know everything. But yet he was obedient to his parents. And even in Luke chapter 2, it says, Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, Nazareth and was obedient to them. Be obedient to your parents. That's okay. You can look over at it. Be obedient to mom. Be obedient to your parents. <laughs> Believe it or not, they know more than what you think they know. They do know more than what they think they know. But be obedient. And think about this. If you're in this room and you're a Christ follower, you're supposed to be more like Jesus. Jesus was obedient to his parents. So therefore, you make sure you're being obedient to your parents. And finally, for the church, as a body of Christ, it's our privilege and it's our responsibility to support the women. It's our job. It's our job so to support one another. And it's our job to make sure we take care of the mothers and our sisters in Christ. And as Paul wrote in Colossians 3, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, 
Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. If you know a mother, a mother-in-waiting, or just a lady struggling, look for ways to befriend them and support them. Not just saying you're there to pray for them, and not with criticism that you say behind their back. Truly support them. We all know ladies who are struggling with something. Take the time to be there for them. Take the time to listen. Take the time to honestly pray with them and for them. Help them with struggles they may be going through. Help to teach them or just whatever you can do. As individuals, we should always look out for that. They say there's a masculinity problem in the world. The masculinity problem is that people forgot how to treat ladies the way they should be treated. Open their doors. Be kind. Be generous. Treat them with love and compassion. Because that's what true masculinity is, men. It's not raising a hand to a woman. It's opening a door or putting a hand out to help them up or down steps. That's true masculinity. Every one of us should be there to help out somebody else. As the men and as a church, we should do that. And just think about that. Imagine as a church... If people knew, not only ladies, but people in general, if they knew that this was a place they could come to, to receive love. That they would be loved, that they would be cared for, that they wouldn't be mocked, that they were accepted just the way they were, that they could come through them doors and get love from each one of us. That's what we're called to do. And even though, you know, it's Mother's Day, it's about all the ladies in the house. Whether you're a mom, going to be a mom, never going to be a mom, and even if you're missing your mom, it's all about you guys. And we as a body of Christ should come together and show love and care for each other. Society's not going to do it. Remember, society's ever-changing expectations of what ideal motherhood looks like can be exhausting. I'm glad I don't have to do that. Try and live up to society, what society says a mother should be. Because it'll probably change tomorrow, and you'll be behind the eight ball, and then you won't be the guaranteed the mother that you're supposed to be. And then as soon as you catch up, it's going to change again. And here we've got women who are fighting, who, who just this own uphill battle 
And you got people who are going to tell you, well, this is a Proverbs 31 woman. This is what you should be. You should be perfect in every way. Or society is going to tell you you should be this or this or this. Be who God called you to be. Be the woman and the person that God called you to be. Because he loves you just as you are. He loves you just as you are. Make sure you get that. And as a church, we need to make sure we come alongside the ladies. Be there to support them. Be there to help them. Be there, honestly, to help each other. Amen? And of course, to start all this, to understand what love is, to understand how Jesus loved the church, you got to know Jesus. And it all starts with that. And I love the song, Let Me Tell You About My Jesus, because I love telling people about my Jesus. My Jesus is awesome. My Jesus is awesome. What he has done for me, he can do for you. He changed my life. And if he can change my life, he can change yours. And trust me, I know the stories of some of the people in this room. And if you heard where they were, and then they met their Jesus and what Jesus done in their life, you'd be like, wow. But he can do it in anyone's life. He accepts you right where you are. God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short. So if you're trying to say, hey, I got to get my act together, ain't going to happen. You're wasting time. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're a sinner. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And including me, and I'm up here preaching. I still fall short of the glory of God. But he showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's where it starts. It starts right at that moment you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you start to change from the inside out. Now the world's still going to be the same. The people are still going to be the same out there. Whatever situation you're in is still going to be the same. The difference is going to be you. And then you can start to change the culture and start changing the other people in your life. As they see you change and start following Jesus and he radically changes your life, others will notice that and then their lives will change also. But it's not going to be easy. But I will tell you, it's the best step you can ever make would be accepting Jesus and joining our messed up, jacked up family. Because that's what we are. We're all messed up and jacked up, but you know what? Each one of us is loved. Amen? We are all loved. So if you don't know Jesus, I just want to encourage you during the final song, come up, I'll be off to the side. We'll take time, we'll talk, we can pray. You can ask Jesus to become your Lord and Savior. Then you can come back and we'll schedule baptism and you can leave here one day with your hair wet and a t-shirt. People are like, what's going on? I got baptized today. 
I accepted Jesus and I'm being obedient to his call. Or maybe you're just struggling and life is hard. And you need to know that Jesus loves you just the way you are. If, if you need prayer, you can come up here. I'll be more than happy to pray with you. Not only with you, but for you. And maybe you've just been struggling. You just got to come up here to the altar right where you're at and say, God, I need, I've been struggling. But I see what you did with Naomi and Ruth. I see what you did with Hannah. And Lord, I still believe you're that same God from yesterday. Because your word says you're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So I can have faith in that. And what you've done in their life, you can do in my life too. And maybe it's just time to ask him back into your life. And Lord, I need to give this to you so I can see what it is you have for me. Or maybe you're the one who hasn't been looking out for others. And just the one with all the criticism behind someone's back. Maybe it's time to look at your own heart. Because as you point one finger at them, you've got three pointed back at you. Whatever it is, give it to God. Don't, don't let it leave with you today. Leave it here and start a new, fresh day. Amen? Heavenly Father, I raise up this congregation to you, whether here in the room or in church online, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the ladies. And Lord, I know there's some that try and put on that facade of being a Proverbs 31 one wife, Lord, or being that Proverbs 31 woman. And they act like they have it all together, but Lord, you know and I know it's just a mask. Because Lord, as we look through your word, there's women who don't have it all together. And you still love them. So, Lord, it's not about being perfect. It's about being obedient to your call. So, Lord, I raise up this house that we will be obedient to your call. That we will stand side by side with each other, show each other the love that you have. As husbands and as men, that we will be the husbands you call us to be, or even be the men that you call us to be. And, Lord, that we will come alongside each other as a church and be there for each other and be known as a place of hope and a place to receive love. And Lord, continue to be with us and we thank you for all that you do as we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to Go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. 
Click on there and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.